0: You all know about the wise man, right? You do know about the wise man. The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? The rains came down, the floods came up, and the wise man's house stood. The foolish man, you know about him, built his house upon the Yeah, the rains came down, the floods came up. And here's our favorite part. The house on the sand went splat, right? So it's all about foundation. It's all about foundation. What are we building our lives on? Apparently, Americans, many of them, are building their lives on spirituality. As a whole, we are becoming more spiritual as a nation. Now, notice I said spiritual. And spiritual is defined at least in this way. It is a reorientation of belief in a God out there, to experience the God within. It's a release of guilt and the belief in original sin in favor of advanced self-awareness and transcendent forgiveness. In January 2016, the Pew Research Center found this. The phrase spiritual but not religious has become widely used in recent years. And no kidding, they call themselves this, the SBNRs. Really, you can find that. Google it, SBNRs. People call themselves spiritual but not religious. Uh, The surveys found that the U.S. public overall appears to be growing somewhat more spiritual. A deep sense of spiritual peace and well-being as well as a deep sense of wonder about the universe, has risen. Now, here's the problem. The problem is that spirituality, uh, the God within, advanced self-awareness, the wonder over the universe, is not a firm foundation. Spirituality will not sustain anyone. When life pushes and presses, as life so often does. It can't. It's a faulty foundation. Let me tell you a little more of the gravity of the situation that, that we're facing as we look out over the culture in which we now live. According to Lifeway Christian Resources, that's the marketing and research arm of the Southern Baptist Church. So whatever you feel about Baptists, will <laughs> shade how you look at this. But this is what they found. of the millennial generation identified themselves as more spiritual than religious. That is 72% of the largest demographic in our country. That's a lot of lives built on a faulty foundation. That's a lot of lives. They're going to come crashing down when spirituality won't sustain them. God has something so much better for all of us than just spirituality because that's not a firm foundation. Jesus, the Word of God, that's a firm foundation. And so you and I have got to build our lives on that firm foundation so that our lives are strong, so that our lives are secure, so that we can then... Offer help and hope to the merely spiritual when their spirituality fails them. hope that's what we'll see in the passage this morning as we come once again to Deuteronomy chapter 34. If you have your Bible with you, I ask you to open to that chapter. When you found your place in Deuteronomy 34, please stand as we hear read together the word of the living God. Beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your own eyes, but you will not cross over into it. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you again for your word. We thank you that it is truth, breathed out, inspired by you. And so we receive it as that this morning. We know that that obligates us, Lord, to submit our lives to the truth that you speak to us. Enable us to do that through the power of your Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, baby. Seated. At the end of verse 1, we read that the Lord showed Moses the whole land. And so last week, we spent all of our time together talking about seeing the big picture, seeing the whole a vision for what the Lord is doing even right now, and, and how the Lord even is right now building His kingdom and looking forward to what will ultimately be true. a world where the lion will lie down with the lamb, a world where the baby will play by the hole of a snake and it'll be okay. A world that will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as waters cover the sea. We see a vision. As we look out over the city of Charleston, of people who are made whole by Jesus, we see the kingdom of God growing through us, a family on mission together, in such a way that a gospel movement is begun in Charleston. And so many people are coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that new churches have to be planted to accommodate them. So here's the question. On what are we building these hopes? Is it that they make us feel spiritual? Are they unfounded hopes, wishful thinking built on sand? Or are these hopes solid and secure, hopes that will stand when they are pressed upon or pushed upon? Look in verse 4. So we answer this question. It says there, the Lord said to Moses. So follow this. Verse one, the Lord showed Moses. Verse four, the Lord said to Moses. The Lord shows and the Lord says. From the beginning of time, that's how God has operated in this world. God said, let there be light. And then God showed, right? The sun. The moon, the stars, God says and God shows. God intends us to keep these two aspects of his character always connected. They complement one another. God showing and God saying so that we can come to a full understanding of God and enter into a relationship with him. And so let's spend a minute or two talking about them, okay? A minute or 20. Okay, a minute or 30. Whatever. We're going to get through it. We refer to God showing as general revelation. God showing is general revelation. God saying we refer to as special revelation. General revelation is among other things. The sun, the moon, and the stars that we see. It's the vastness of the ocean depths and the the mountain heights, the majesty of those and the power that that dwarf us. It's the spectacular colors of the intricate design of plants and flowers and atoms and DNA, all the things that we can see from them. From what we see, we know there is a God. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. No place exists where the general revelation of God, where God's showing, cannot be seen and experienced. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Romans 1. For God's invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So general, general revelation shows, and what it shows is good. God said it is good. It's a glorious reflection of God. But God decided that showing is not enough. The wonder of the universe may make us spiritual, but it's not enough. God and seeing Him in a sunset or seeing God as you walk along the beach, God knows you can't build, build a secure life on just that. So in addition to showing God decided that he would also speak. God loves us just that much. He wants us to get it just that much. And so not only does he show us, but he says to us as well. That's what he does with Moses. Verse 1, he shows. Verse 4, he says. And sometimes it is easy for us to pass quickly over these words as if they are not. The most incredible words that we could ever read. That the God of the universe speaks to us. Imagine the longing of people's hearts to be spoken to by the God of the universe. We might understand God speaking to Adam and Eve in the garden before their sin made in the image of God, part of the beauty and the wonder and the splendor of creation, why not speak to them and enjoy them? And God did. But in their rebellious state, when they turned on their good and glorious and gracious creator God, when they disbelieved Him, When they believed the lies of Satan over the truth of God, when they disobeyed their creator, why should God continue speaking? And I think that is one of the biggest why questions of all time. Why does God continue to speak to rebellious human beings? We ask different why questions, lesser why questions. Lord, why did you allow this? Why did you do that? Particularly in this season, we're experiencing of of storms and fires and earthquakes. The world that normally won't even acknowledge God in any way, suddenly they need someone to vent their anger and frustration on. God, why would you allow this? But here's the bigger question. Lord, why can I even speak to you at all? Lord, why can I even ask anything of you at all? Lord, why do I have any hope at all that you will answer me? The answer is that God is good and glorious and gracious. And he seeks relationship with us and makes relationship possible. So therefore, he speaks. Without God speaking to us, we wouldn't know him. We would not understand life, we would not be able to interpret life. Without God's special revelation right here, Moses would have been left to interpret the whole that he saw in verse 1 on his own. Moses would have had to figure out on his own why he was seeing what he saw and what he was supposed to do with what he saw. Now look, what if Moses had a penchant for building and for development. He might have looked out over this whole vision that God showed him and saw an exclusive, gated community filled with executive homes and tennis courts and swimming pools and golf courses. Yes, Lord, this is why I've seen this vision. This is what I am to do. Maybe Moses was more of a a preservationist. Love the land. And so he looks out over the whole land. And he says, "Oh, I see state parks everywhere. People can pass through and observe it. They can't live here. They can't destroy the beauty of this place. Yes, this is why you've shown me the promised land, Lord. This is what I am supposed to do. What if Moses were more the, the physical athletic type? And he's looking out over the whole promised land and he sees uh, uh, stadiums and arenas and racetracks all over the place. Yes, Lord, this is why you've shown me the promised land. This is what I am to do. What if Moses had more of an interest in medicine and the healing arts? And so he looks out over the promised land and he sees hospitals everywhere. Maybe Moses is more of an intellectual. And he looks out and he sees this would be A a stupendous university setting. Multiple colleges with beautiful campuses all over the place. Yes, Lord. This is why you have shown me the promised land. This is what I am supposed to do. We could go on and on. (laughs) I'll stop. We've had enough. I've had enough. We know how it goes when we're left to our own imaginations and our own feelings and our own impulses and our own desires. They don't always land us in a good or secure place. The good news is that God has not left us on our own to figure out things out in a way that makes sense to us or in a way that we want it to be. God has spoken to us through special revelation. He is the speaking God. And so it's no surprise That the God of special revelation, when he comes in person to communicate his truth, he comes to us as the word, right? Jesus, described by John chapter 1, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. God showed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ, who is called the word. And so God shows and God speaks. So it's good for us to slow down when we read a verse like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, 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 Moses, let it sink in and contemplate and meditate upon the reality that your God and my God is a God of special revelation who speaks to His people. And so it's vital that we keep the two of those together, the showing God and the speaking God, because so many in our culture, you heard the statistics, they get it half right. They acknowledge the beauty of general revelation. Some even worship it as an entity unto itself They're so taken with the beauty of all that God has created. They give their lives to protecting it and to preserving it. And that's a very good thing to do. But only because God spoke. He spoke to Adam and Eve at creation. He spoke to them the command, care for the earth. Otherwise, poor Adam and Eve would have known what to do in the garden. Lord, what have you put us here for? to care for the earth. That's how you and I know that it's a good thing to take care of the earth and it's a bad thing to abuse it because God spoke. But you and I and no one else is ever going to get it right if general revelation does not lead to special revelation. I think throughout history, most cultures have preferred a showing God rather than a A God of special revelation. A God who speaks. Because then we're free to make our own idols, right? We don't make them anymore out of stone and wood. But we have our God replacements. We have things we go to before we go to God. We have things we trust in more than we trust in God. And all of those things are idols. And here's what God says about them. This is in your call to worship this morning. From Psalm 115. Their idols are silver and gold made by human hands. They have mouths that cannot speak, eyes but cannot see, ears but cannot hear, noses but cannot smell. They have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. See, this is the genius of idols. And and idols really are genius because they can make you feel spiritual, but they can't talk back to you. They cannot contradict you. They cannot reveal anything special to you that might require you to change. They're just reflections of ourselves, and so no wonder we love them. This is from Isaiah 41. you got to picture this. All these little idol makers. I I think of the Oompa Loompas, you know, in Willy Wonka running around. They're not really that. I'm just saying in my mind. That's what I picture. Isaiah 41. The idol makers encourage one another, saying to each other, be strong. The carver encourages the goldsmith, and the molder helps the anvil. Good, they say. It's coming along fine. Carefully, they join the parts together. They fasten the thing in place. So it won't fall over. Present the case for your idols, says the Lord. Let them show what they can do, says the King of Israel. Let them try to tell us what happened long ago so that we may consider the evidence. Or let them tell us what the future holds so we can know what's going to happen. Yes, tell us what will occur in the days ahead. Then we will know you are gods. In fact, do anything. Good or bad, do something that will amaze and frighten us. But no, you are less than nothing and you can do nothing at all. Those who choose you pollute themselves. See, this is the truth about our idols, our God replacements. They can't reveal anything special to us and neither can they contradict us or require anything of us. That's once again why we like them. They make us feel spiritual, like finding God in the sunset while walking along the beach. Okay, that's fine. But what does that God say? Oh, oh, he doesn't say anything. You know, we, we acknowledge a higher power as long as we only see what we attribute to that higher power. Just don't allow that higher power to speak. Don't interpret for me what I see. Just let me see it and interpret it for myself. Even in the world of science, as you know, of late, the last many years now, there have been some who would concede to intelligent design. You know, certainly the universe and its vastness and the microscopic intricacies leave us amazed. Yes, there must be an intelligent designer. But the acknowledgement stops there. Intelligent designer... You are not allowed to speak, especially into my life. See, that's a faulty foundation. It's spirituality, but it will fail you every time. And so you and I have got to keep general revelation and special revelation. The God who shows and the God who says, we've got to keep them together. And if God is a special revelation God, if he is speaking, then we must listen and we must obey. Reason demands as much, right? When you and I are healthy, we have a, a balance between seeing and, and, and saying, between general revelation and special revelation. And you know if you're out of balance, some of you may be spiritual. You know, you kind of like... Uh, the, the wonder of creation, and you're a little bit mystical, and you get lost in the vastness of all that. Oh, God. But you're not so big on the Word of God or what He says about how you should live your life. Some of you, on the other hand, could be, you know, I don't know that you are, but maybe a little crusty. You know, it's all about the Word of God, the hard facts. Well, that's what makes you Crusting, because you've lost your ability to be amazed or mystified by God. You've lost your ability to get lost in the wonder of God by what you see and experience. Be amazed by what God is doing. So you and I have got to keep the balance: general revelation, special revelation. But call special revelation what it is: unashamedly, it is the powerful, trustworthy word of the living God. And this is a word like no other. This is a truth like no other. And it obligates us to listen to God and to obey the God who speaks. Now let's get back to Moses. We left him. He, he's up on Mount Pisgah by himself. Let's go back. The land that God showed Moses was clearly spectacular. From the height from which Moses saw it, it might have taken his breath away. But what does God say about what he has created? Verse 4. This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So you see what God's doing here, right? He is interpreting what Moses sees. What Moses is looking at, the wholeness of it, is the fulfillment of God's spoken promise. Please notice that God does not say anything new here. God does not feel compelled to, to give a new twist to a new generation. All Moses gets is an old, unaltered promise. 500 years old. I will give you this land. That's always been God's promise. And God doesn't change. The promises of speaking God, of special Revelation, they are the foundation for everything. And that's why God, why Moses knows what he's looking at when he sees the entire land. It's a fulfillment of the promise and the purpose of God. It's not a sports complex, a university campus, or a beautiful state park. It's a place where God's people are going to dwell. And he, their God, is going to bless them in that land. And from that land and from that place are going to radiate the blessing of God to all the nations of the world. That's the spoken promise. That's the spoken purpose of the unchanging God of special revelation. That's the plan that he's working out based on the promises and the word of God. And that's what you and I have to build our lives on. The word of God is our only firm foundation so it's not okay for you to be spiritual do you understand that it's not okay for your friends to be spiritual they say to you oh dude i'm a spiritual person that's not okay it's not enough when the god of the universe speaks you've got to listen and you've got to obey listen to this counsel this is from the great apostle peter and you know peter's story he wavered a lot he wavered between faith and fear. He loved Jesus so much. But when fear got a hold of him, about what his faith might require, he denied Jesus. And even as the great apostle, preaching the gospel, sometimes fear got a hold of him. People influenced him. Made him ask, is the gospel enough? Do we have to obey all the law in addition to the gospel. And Peter himself wavered. But in the end. Faith wins for Peter. Because Peter. Is standing on. And building his life on. Christ and the promises of God. So here's what Peter writes. Second Peter 3. Dear friends. This is now my second letter to you. I've written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Clearly, Peter's emphasis here is on special revelation, the spoken word of God. It's all from the same God who has, from the before the foundation of the world, had the same purpose. So this is one story from beginning to end. It's consistent in all its parts. And that's why you and I can build our lives on the Word of God, recalling it, remembering the Word. It stimulates us to wholesome, right thinking. It's our foundation. Let me tell you, and we're not here for much longer. It's why we come together Sunday after Sunday. It's why we're here right now. We come here to worship the God who has spoken to us. And we come here week after week as part of worship to be stimulated in our thinking once again as we remember the truths of God. That's what preaching should be about. Believe me, I might be a deluded person in some ways, but I'm not deluded enough to think that I give you something original week by week, something you haven't already heard. Scripture tells us there's nothing new under the sun. And I love the line of that hymn, how firm a foundation. It ask what more can he say Than to you, he has said. To you who to Jesus for refuge have fled. God doesn't need to say anything new to us. We don't need anything new. We don't need anything original. I will say this you better beware the teacher. You better beware the preacher who has that as a goal to present themselves as an original thinker. No, we just need to remember the ancient words. Remember. The promises already made. Remember, Peter says, remember. Be reoriented by them. Be refreshed by them. Use them as the foundation upon which you build your life. And now I've saved the best for last. This is the best. And if you haven't memorized this verse, memorize it. Here's the reference. Second Corinthians 1. Twenty, Second Corinthians, chapter one, verse twenty. You know it. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through Him the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The ESV. For all the promises of God find their yes in Christ. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to the glory of God. And the New Living Translation. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding what? Yes. And through Christ our what? Amen. Ascends to the glory of God. All that to say. Special revelation God has fulfilled every promise he has ever made in Jesus. So, if you are not following Jesus, if you are not abiding in Jesus, your life is not on a firm foundation. And that's the truth. The God who created all that is and promised all that he has promised says that everything he has done finds its completeness and fullness In Christ alone. No wonder we sing to Jesus. No wonder we sing of our Redeemer. Was this in your bulletin? Was this in your bulletin today? Look at it, get it out. This is so amazing. Look at the front page, the very bottom corner. Do you have it out? Look what it says Queen Elizabeth honors hymn writer. Keith Getty. Do you see that part? Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II honored hymn writer Keith Getty as an officer of the Order of the British Empire. The award recognizes Getty for his contribution to music and modern hymn writing. It's the first time the award has been given to an individual in the world of contemporary church music. And you read on. And you read about the hymn, In Christ Alone, the number one hymn in the United Kingdom. Top ten in the States. That's amazing. I think God is doing something here. Because people are singing, In Christ Alone, my hope is found. He is my light. He is my strength. He is my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest storm, here in the love of Christ I stand. I think that God is making it so that this song resonates deeply with so many people. Because Christ alone fills a longing and a void left by spirituality. And Christ alone offers a security that a God within or advanced self-awareness can never offer. And so in Christ alone, you must build your life. In Christ alone, the one who fills everything in every way. In Christ alone, the one who fulfills every promise of the one and only true and living God. Build your life on Him. The solid rock, the Lord Jesus Christ, and offer Him to others, especially the spiritual. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that you, it's who you are as God, to be a God who shows and a God who speaks, a God of general revelation and a God of special revelation. You make it so that everyone, according to your word, is without excuse. We can look at what we see and know there is a God. And then, Lord, if we are faithful to listen, you speak to us. You define yourself to us. You display yourself before us, the kind of God you are, a God of all glory and grace and goodness and greatness. And so we thank you, Lord, that we can both see and we can hear. So Father, pray that you would help us keep these two together. What amazing transformation will come to our life if we just live every day, Lord, in amazement and awe of who you are. As we go outside, as we look at creation, think, wow, Lord, you created all this. If we're just amazed at the the mysterious and amazing things that you do around us, wow, Lord, you do these things, we can see them. But, Lord, that we're equally amazed as well by the truth that you speak to us through your word. Lord, such a firm foundation you have given us. If we are like the wise man and build our house on the rock, that rock is Jesus, that's you, the word of the living God. Help us build our lives on it. And, Lord, break our hearts for those around us who are spiritual, apparently so many of them all around Lord, help us not to take it as an excuse for a way out. Oh, well, they said they're spiritual. Lord, calls us to probe and to dig and to, cause them to define for us what they mean by spirituality. So we can add to that definition, Lord, a complete understanding as we speak to them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for all these things continue to speak to us through your word, continue to amaze us by what you do as we build every hope on Christ alone. In whose name we pray, amen. Well, I think you know what we're going to